Good day to you. Glad you could join me. This is the podcast Grit, what you need to revitalize your church. You need a lot of grit. And that also is an acronym that stands for God, Repentance, Instruction, and Time. Those are four aspects, four areas that I've focused on in church revitalization and uh, having that simple acronym and and focusing and and refocusing on those things helps to uh, keep my perspective, uh, I think, a a biblical and keep a good perspective on what it is that I need to be doing as uh, as I engage in church revitalization. And uh, this is the third episode, and uh, we've talked a bit about just kind of the introduction of, of this idea and uh, last time a bit about my own experience. And so I want to jump right into grit. And the and so we'll start with the letter G. And the G in grit stands for God. Because when everything is said and done, what we need for church revitalization is God himself. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing in John 15. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So if someone asks, uh, you know, is there anything I can do apart from Jesus? Well, why, yes, there is. There's one thing you can do, nothing. <laughs> that's, that's the one thing you can do apart from Jesus, nothing. Now, was that hyperbole? Was, was he exaggerating or was he serious about that? Do you believe it's literally true that you can do nothing without Christ? I think it is. I think it's literally true. I don't think I can do anything, anything spiritual or anything physical without Jesus Christ. Uh, First, because we wouldn't even exist without him. Hebrews 1 says that he upholds the universe by the word of his power. That's present tense. It's not talking about the creation. It's talking about right now. What is Jesus doing right now? Well, among many things, one little thing he's doing is holding the whole universe together. (laughs) which is incredible. Think about the power of Christ. He's holding everything together. If he, if he uh, stopped holding the universe together for a moment, everything would cease to exist. So we literally can do nothing without him and without God, God alone. And I mean, father, son, and Holy spirit is capable of producing spiritual health and life in your church. And of course, God uses many different means to do this, and we have to be active and we have to work and work hard. But ultimately, it's God that has to produce spiritual health and life. Ultimately, it's his work. And so God is what or who you need to revitalize your church. As we think about revitalization, the word itself is based on the Latin root vita, which just means life. And so it's a pretty simple concept, the the word's basic meaning is to bring something back to life, to revitalize it, to make it alive again. So it's really no different, therefore, from words like revival. That's from the same Latin root, to bring back to life, revive, or resurrection, to bring back to life. So lots of several words that mean uh, to bring back to life. And that's why analogies of, of, of sickness, like physical sickness and health and death, are often used, uh, commonly used in discussions of church revitalization. So a simple definition or description of what revitalization of a church is, uh, is that it's about the renewal of spiritual health and life 
in a church that is unhealthy or dying. Now, does the scripture have anything to say about the concepts of life or resurrection? Well, that's obviously a rhetorical question. I mean, the Bible is full of things about life. It's full of things about life and death, uh, sickness and health, uh, resurrection. I mean, resurrection is the central event of, of the Bible. And so all of those things, all the things in the Bible about sickness and health, life and death, resurrection can be applicable in some way to church revitalization. And in that sense, the Bible is full of things about uh, revitalization because it's about life and health. And we know, of course, that God is the creator and sustainer of all life, all biological life, first of all. In uh, Nehemiah chapter 9, it says, You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven the heaven of heavens with all their host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. And you preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worships you. Nehemiah 9, 6. We know that God alone can create life. In spite of all of our scientific advances, we humans are no closer to creating life than we ever were. And God, God not only created uh, physical life, but he is the creator of spiritual life and of resurrection life. In Ephesians 2, uh, it says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. He made us alive and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's all about spiritual life and health and resurrection. So if revitalization is about life, then God is our only hope. We can't create life. Only God can. God has the power to give life and he has the power to take life as he pleases. In Job chapter 12, it says, In his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Life and breath is in his hand, meaning it's at his disposal. He disposes of it as he pleases. In Psalm 104, it says, When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. God gives and takes life. Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 37, he saw an amazing vision of the power of God to resurrect even the dry bones of his people. He said there, thus, say, thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. Notice in this passage, it's God who's doing everything. The, the bones can do nothing. Right? You can call out to dry bones all you want. Nothing happens unless God's power works through the, through the call that's given. And so this is, he's not you know, asking the bones to do this. The bones aren't responding of their own free will. God says, I will cause this to happen. And that's the only way life can occur. It's the only way resurrection can happen is if God steps in and takes the initiative and does it. I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. 
Of course, this kind of resurrection life is ultimately fulfilled through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, through whom we receive eternal life. Jesus claimed that God, his Father, had bestowed on him the authority to grant eternal life to all that the Father gave him. In John 17, it says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. So Jesus has the authority to give eternal life to everyone that the Father gives him. Also, the glorified, exalted Christ in the book of Revelation claims the authority to destroy local churches that persistently refuse to repent. In Revelation 2, Jesus says to one of the churches, Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And we know from, from uh, Revelation chapter 1 that the lampstand was a symbol for the local church itself. And Jesus says, if you don't repent, I will come and do this. He doesn't just say, you know, it'll happen. Like it, it's just, a, you know, an impersonal law of the universe that it'll just happen that way. He, sa he says he'll actively do it. I will come and remove your lampstand. You won't be a church anymore. Uh, I, will, I will destroy this church, or at least I'll abandon this church. It won't be my church anymore. So Jesus was threatening to remove a local church that failed to repent. Some churches die because Jesus kills them for good reason. And I know that's probably not what some people like to hear, and it's not talked about very much in church revitalization circles that I've seen. I've read several places where, where they just flat out say, it is God's will for your church to be revitalized. Well, kind of, but not if there's no repentance. <laughs> That's why the R in grit stands for repentance. Without repentance, Jesus may very well come and not give life to your church. He may bring death to your church. That may be his will for the church that doesn't repent. So, whether your church lives or dies is ultimately up to our Lord Jesus Christ. It is ultimately in his hands. So if God is the creator and sustainer of all life, if he is the only source of spiritual life and resurrection, if he can bring to life and kill at his sovereign discretion, if he blesses and threatens local churches based on his infallible perception, then any attempt at church revitalization has to be intensely and persistently centered on the triune God. The Father is the source of all life. Jesus has been given authority to grant spiritual life by the Father. Jesus examines local churches with those eyes of flaming fire to bless the church or to judge the church. The Holy Spirit is the principle of life and the power of life, and of course, a person. In fact, the word translated spirit in both Hebrew in the Old Testament and Greek in the New Testament, that word translated spirit can also be translated breath, depending on the context. So spirit is vitally related to life, and the Holy Spirit is the one who affects life. So we see for that... Um, all three persons of the Godhead are active in the creating, the granting, sustaining, taking, 
and resurrecting of life. God in three persons must be the focus of all efforts at church revitalization. This seems like a very simple concept, uh, but it's one that we have to be reminded of. It's one that we have to come back to over and over again because it's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to get so focused on the activities that we start to neglect God himself. We start to forget what our ultimate purpose is and that our ultimate purpose and goal is centered on God. We can begin to get focused just on the results or on the process or the programs uh, and just get so busy that we, we forget to focus on what's most important, which is God. And so I want to make sure that I am uh, frequently called back to focus on God. My relationship with God is vitally important if, if I'm going to be used by him to bring about church revitalization, to bring about renewed health and life in my church, because ultimately it's his church, of course, and he's the one who will decide whether to bless, whether to grant life or not. And so with everything that we do, we want to never forget. It has to be about God. It has to be about his glory and about him. And we need him. We'll talk more about this uh, in upcoming episodes. We'll talk, I'll talk more about what does it mean to be God-centered in our purpose and our efforts? Uh, why is prayer so important? If, if we're focused on God, how does that relate to prayer? Uh, we'll talk about the gospel, focusing on Christ and the gospel, why that's the only healthy obsession that we should have as, as ministers. We'll think about the glory and majesty of God. Uh, obviously, you can talk about God forever. So we'll just skim the surface of some of these things. Uh, but I want to highlight this and, uh, and just refocus us continually on the importance of God. Well, may God bless you in your efforts at church revitalization, and may he grant you success. Bye.